Attention, Pokemon players. You are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast. On today's episode, Jake squeaks into cut. Chuck gets points. And it's a mad dash to qualify for Worlds. What's going on, my friends? What's going on? Squeaking into cut is kind of like the 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 theme this week for both of us. Uh, right, right. I, mean, I had to <laughs> I had to tooth nail and claw to get in top eight and secure eight whole championship points that are at my first ever league challenge. So it was a league challenge. So you got to top eight, but there's no cut, like no cut per se where you continue to play. That just ends right. the day. Yeah, it just ends at, at Swiss, um, but we had enough people that kickered the points out to the top eight people. There it is. Um, so uh, I got eight points, which uh, I bubbled in for once. Right. Uh, uh, now I usually, if you guys have been listening week to week, you'll be hearing me tell stories about how I've bubbled out. Right. I bubbled in this week mm-hmm. for, uh, for points and an extra prize pack. Which was a banger. That was my like my whole big extra prize for getting eighth place was the points and the prize pack, and that was the Arceus V Star. So nice. <laughs> well, congrats on uh, points. I know uh, this is our first uh, you know go at getting points at the local level. Um, you know, just ba- basically because pandemic uh, shut everything down, as we've said many many times. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was kind of in the same boat. Which, uh, although I wasn't playing for uh, CP, uh, because this this uh, event wasn't for CP, I just went to a local uh, game shop, the Vault, um, playing in their, I guess, every set annual uh, 1K that they have. Um, and, you know, there was a fair amount of people there. I think there was like 35 to 40 people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, I brought my Gardevoir deck. I've uh, been on that deck for a long time. Um, already kind of you know seeing success locally here with uh with local play and playing online and whatnot um and i felt going good i felt great about the deck going in um my first round went pretty well uh then i placed against uh one of our uh one of my testing friends and and uh lo- really good locals uh nolan uh he was playing lugia uh wiped the floor of me um, in two of the games, I, you know, turn my turn one, uh, going second, um, I was able to, um, like judge him and put the, um, the temple of Sinnoh down. Didn't matter to him. Uh, he just did what he needed to do. Got, got Archeops in play, uh, did Lugia things and I couldn't just, I couldn't slow him down. Uh, so it felt like that deck was almost un, unbeatable. Um, at least when he was running hot like that. Um, in my testing beforehand, I, I feel like the deck, the the matchup is still at least even. Um, and if you can make it to the mid to late game, you can win because oftentimes Lugia, um, at least in the single strike version, starts to taper off because they they're losing resources and they don't have that one price uh, thing. But obviously, uh, Nolan played it great. Um, even though I tried to disrupt him as much as possible, um, he he went above and beyond. Uh, then then lost to a mirror match. Um, uh, I was kind of upset with myself because I, I feel like I made a couple um, misplays that cost me. And, you know, I started the tournament off then there at one and one and two, um, but was able to turn it back and, and win out uh, to go three or two, which is not great either way. Uh, still not feeling the greatest about my game, uh, but it was enough to somehow squeak into cut. 
um, into top eight. Um, I know they're going into the last round. I was, I think I was like at 15 or something to 14. Uh, and somehow I jumped over so many people. Um, I, I think there were some ties in there um, and some key losses and I, I squeaked in. So whenever, you know, the round was over and then the next uh, uh, round to cut was announced, um, you know, I, I squeaked in, made it in. I, I was pretty happy with that. Um, and then, Going into top eight, everybody wanted to just split it and, and call it a day. Um, and I kind of wanted to play it out, uh, especially after the fact, seeing a lot of lost Tina in there. And I feel like that's a really, really good matchup for me. Uh, but I wasn't going to be that guy um, to you know, be the only one like, yeah, I want to play. Plus, you know, going out with the homies and and um, having some beer and having some, uh, you know, f- food afterwards um, at a reasonable hour sounded pretty tempting as well. So. Uh, I copped out and ended up getting a, a booster box for, uh, you know, um, my day of playing uh, Pokemon. I uh, would 100% say, uh, so I really wanted to be there for that, uh, but I wasn't able to. But I would be that guy. I've been saying it since the first 1K we played at the vault. Right. Uh, I've just yet to make top eight at one of those well, that I've attended. I was not at this right. one, but I would have been that guy. You guys would have been playing at least one more round. Right before right. I say split, <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Uh, I I see both sides of it. Um, but on a side note, uh, I've been to three one Ks at the vault, and I've made cut all three times. Uh, so somehow I squeaked into it this time. Um, so I was pretty proud of myself. Um, on you know the comeback after the two losses, I'm still kind of surprised I made cut. To be to be quite honest with you, yeah, I, this the same same way I felt was that. I was I was like this is gonna be a bubble and I just did not expect it to yep. ring true but hey uh you take those I bubbled in <laughs> yeah um one in. one side it. one side note I guess to the rest of the week is nothing to really do Pokemon Pokemon but how my week was I finally 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 got my teeth I don't <laughs> have my fake ones anymore or they're still fake technically but I got my uh my permanent bridge in. Uh, it feels a thousand times better than that temporary thing, eating and look wise. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty pumped about that. So I don't have to worry about, um, you know, anything further, hopefully knock on wood uh, when it comes to dental work or health in general. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Great. Great to hear that that's been finalized now. So Yeah, it was a long, a long journey, um, a painful beginning and frustrating, um, you know, middle um which is kind of yeah. the the setbacks i was uh having there but um nonetheless uh got got that taken care of um feel good about that sweet sweet yes so did you have anything else you want to talk about for this week no, uh no as far as the week goes um you know that's that's about it um i think though just us both playing in um you know semi larger tournaments or at least for CP, I think it leads into a really good discussion point um, that we could have here to start the podcast, and that is just the difference in playing for CP locally in these league challenging cups compared to regionals, um, especially you know since you know we are players that have only played in regionals for CP, um, but just kind of reading the room and seeing where we're at. Um, you know, playing for locals is a lot different um, than playing, you know, in a in a larger tournament. So I want to talk about 
you know, a few things that uh, maybe, you know, newer players like us um, that may not have, um, you know, thought of some of these things um, to do. Um, maybe this will help you. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but I think first and foremost, um, this is where you can um, show your, you know, skills as far as um, knowing your local meta and your player base um, and really kind of, you know, paying attention to that kind of thing. Because, uh, you know, going into regionals, you don't really have, I mean, you, you have an idea what the meta is going to be, um, but you don't, you don't necessarily know everybody intimately. And when you see the same, uh, you know, 10 to 30 people at your locals, depending on where you're at, um, you start to really pick up on, you know, what kind of player they are, um, what kind of, you know, random text you might see uh, that you would never see in a, in a, you know, in a regionals maybe um, because you, you know, you know, you have more meta focused decks. Um, so being able to be plugged into your local meta, what people tend to like to play and what crazy text you might want to play um, can mean, you know, the difference between, you know, making cut and getting um, some CP or, um, you know, potentially just missing out because you just read the meta wrong. Cause maybe you're uh, trying to prepare like it was a regionals, but um, that might not be the trick locally. Yeah, definitely uh, second that. Like, that was my experience as well. Coming to a challenge or, uh, again, cup is a little, even a little bit more. Um, you definitely have to read, you get to, it's a more centralized thing that you, like, know a little bit more info about. You're reading your local meta because most of the people you play, even if they're not there every week or um, they'll, They'll play at one. You played them at one point in time, are most likely coming to these. Mm -hmm. And the difference, like like you said, with the regional is like the regional is you're trying to guess kind of percentages. So what you might see, what you might play, but you never you never know for sure what you're gonna play. I mean, right. um, even at the best of times, you know, going to regionals, even at Fort Wayne, I was like, I'm gonna play Boogie is the most popular thing. It's thirty percent. I should play at least three. I think I played it once. So you never you never know exactly for sure. Um, you just make educated guesses. Here, you know, like at locals, you know what uh, Timmy likes to play, or, right. or you know what Bob likes to play. You know exactly. What his favorite, I... um, you know exactly what he will think is his best deck. So um, if some, so when when Mike likes to play Mew. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Mike likes to play Mew, uh, and that's his deck. So you know, like someone is at least playing Mew at the at locals. I should probably slip a drapey on my deck if that's hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, for like, and even if you know, uh, you know, so you're more likely to play that person. But even if you don't, um, you still have that idea, uh, and you need to be prepared because, um, like I said, most of the people at this locals I knew, or at this one uh, k I knew. Um, and potential matchups I could have played. Um, and I like again, I, I know Nolan. I know he's really high or hyped on um Lugia at the moment. Uh, ended up playing him. Obviously, it didn't go well, but I, I still had a you know an idea of what he was going to play. And even if I didn't do well, at least there's knowledge gained into knowing what your matchup is before you know your opponent flips the deck over. Um, uh, because that gives you a huge advantage um in you know, potential um, starting hands and what you want to play down and things like that. So um, if you know, hey, I'm playing against Lugia, where my, you know, my opponent's like probably 95% going to play Lugia, 
Um, that can be a huge advantage going into it when it's supposed to be closed deck or, or um, you know, not open knowledge. Um, but, you know, especially in those early rounds, if you if you know these players and what they're going to be playing, um, you, you'll have a better idea and understanding of, um, you know, what you need to do going into a matchup. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, <clears throat> helps you get the better idea of what you what lines you want to take um, and then what you might potentially see uh, throughout the day. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, another thing, it kind of to piggyback off that, even if you don't know you're ne- necessarily all the people going to these, um, I know cups, there are going to be people that are traveling uh, for a couple of hours away potentially, uh, but you're still probably only going to, you know, depending on where you are, a much smaller field of players than you would in a regional. So if you happen to finish a, um, a, a round quickly, um, you can easily walk around the room and scout out what people are playing and you'll have a higher likelihood of hitting these players uh, just based off of, you know, there's a less, you know, less amount of players playing. Um, so if you, you know, if you're only having 30 people there, uh, you look at 15 different matchups and you're like, you have a pretty good idea of what everybody's playing. That way, hey, if a hey, Timmy from, um, from Cincinnati came to uh, this random cup, hey, now I know what he's playing because I walked around, I had time. Um, when in the regionals, there's hundreds, thousands of people. There's no way. I mean, there's a possibility that you'll walk past somebody, see what they're playing and play them. But uh, the likelihood of that happening is way less. Um, so it's always good. Um, not that you have to be super, super nosy, but at least get just an archetype, a general idea of what they're playing. Again, that way, if you do end up playing them, um, you'll have an idea of what you need to do um, You know, start you know, before they flip that over. And that, that knowledge is is huge. Uh, I can't under I cannot understate um, how big it, you know, the knowledge thing is. Like, hey, if you win the coin toss, um, sometimes that matchup means, hey, you want to go first, you want to go second, because um, not it's not always so cut and dry. If you want to go first and second, depending on the matchups, but if you know what they're playing, it is a little bit more cut and dry if you win that coin flip. Yeah. Um, another uh, another thing I was gonna I was gonna bring up on. Kind of along the lines of that, um, but because it's a smaller field, um, you can do this scouting, and you're it's really you're really never out of it, depending on what your um, goal is for the tournament. Obviously, if you are trying to win like the whole thing, then like you know taking two losses is probably going to really hinder your goal. But as uh, we both like me, me and you both experienced. Like, I went down, uh, like to one, 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 like at one point in time, I was just one across the board, yeah. And then I still, uh, you know, plod my way back and managed to get eighth place, which still gets you something. Um, if it's in a cup, then that puts me in top eight, which we should cut to, and then there's a whole new tournament at that point, so exactly. You, um, so. You just got to, I was just going to say, like, remember, smaller tournament, though, you're always in it till the last round. Just try and collect yeah, as many game points as you can. Yeah, and I'm not exactly sure where the cutoff is and what the math is, but like even two losses, there are, a ch- there is a chance that, you know, um, you know, a couple two loss players sneak in there like I did. Um, I think I might have, um, if I went by myself, I might have considered dropping, but because I carpooled with a bunch of people. Um, 
I knew, you know, two of them were already in a very solid position. So I was like, I have nothing else to do. I might as well just play some Pokemon, have fun. Um, And, you know, ultimately, I, uh, you know, just sticking it out sometimes uh, for a round longer than you might want to um, is definitely advantageous. Yeah, and and it's really hard to really to know exactly where that cutoff is going to be. Because uh, I was even debating on, I think, in smaller tournaments, it's hard. Like ties can get a little more, make things a lot more wonky. Like uh, right. it's not like so clear cut when you're at a regional and you're like, ah, oh, I'm six and uh, six and two right now. If I just take the ID and in exactly. round nine, I'm in day two. Like uh, it's not that kind of clear cut. You you might be able to try and figure something out where if you tie, but like I don't think that's I think there's a that kind of happens. So yeah, you're, you're going to be playing to win it most of the time, and then when when you can uh, combine those wins, and then you might see some late game ties, which help you piggyback over people. So right. exactly, exactly. So I mean, I think that's you know the the things I've noticed and things that I think a lot of players should take away, especially if they're you know, trying to, you know, get CP um, and do well in these tournaments. So obviously if you're there just to have fun, um, I mean, you don't have to go hard and and scouting and everybody or anything like that. Pick your best deck and just play poke. Everyone will still have fun. Right, right. Um, But yeah, um, I was going to say, you know, there's a lot of players that play like random techs, but that again um, is knowing your local meta and your player base um, and you can prepare for that kind of thing. So um, I would say don't necessarily expect streamline archetypes, even if you see um, something that's quote unquote meta, um, you know, some of your local players might play three or four cards that are way off the wall in that meta deck. Um, but that again is up to you to, you know, know your player base and, and how likely are you are to see random things like that. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, this is, a smaller a smaller meta a smaller field which plays into the fact that something rogue-ish maybe not you know tier s type archetypes um can do well um i've seen mm-hmm. multiple like multiple tweets of different decks that you wouldn't you wouldn't take to a regional right now but like uh i saw someone won a challenge or even a cup with oink alone which is <laughs> that's not crazy popular no, no, not no. very popular uh, of a competitive archetype at the moment, um, but it's something that you know has a good strategy, um, and people may not, you know, catch well, yeah. catch on exactly how to play I, against it. I mean, and you even seen in you know, EUIC where, like, for instance, um, you know, Garatina um, saw less than ten percent. I think it was like five percent of the meta, um, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, but, you know, going into our locals um, for the 1K, we had half our cut of top eight was Garatina because uh, our local players love Tina. Uh, so things like that, even though it's maybe not, like you said, the number one A tier deck, um, you know, anything B tier and above probably has a pretty strong fighting chance of making uh, making some noise in any given tournament. So always be prepared. And, and, and again, that just goes back to knowing your local meta and what people like to tend to play. Always be prepared for all matchups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very cool. But yeah, I think that was, um, uh, I think that's it for, you know, locals and the, the CP. Um, 
but yeah, let us know if there's anything that we potentially missed that might help the player base out with, um, you know, getting, getting prepared um, to have some success here at the local level. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I think Chuck, that is time um, for us to jump into our middle of the show shenanigans and get into some trivia. It's time time for trivia. 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 Um, I have a pack to open this week. I made sure. Is it not a prize pack or is it actually a legit pack? It's a legit pack of cards, not a prize pack. I had to go on an extra run because I I was a little excited at my cup or the at the challenge, and I just opened them all. So uh, that would have been fun to pull that RCSD star though on on the cast, but um, (laughs) he would have definitely got it when I was like, "Well, the ability is starburst." (laughs) I think I would have get it by your reaction if you get a pull like that. But uh... yeah. So uh, we'll just go back and I'm going to see, we'll do the same thing of what is my hit. We'll see uh, uh, what the, uh, the poll is. is. So, All right. So it, it, is it a standard legal pack? I, I need to know is, this. It is a standard legal pack. Okay. Right? I didn't let's go. find anything that old uh, to open. Um, so uh, this card uh, has an ability. So Pokemon's ability reads, uh, it's called Enriching Oil. I I think I know the Pokemon. It's that that new olive one from like the from from Scarlet Violet that Katie uses in, in the first gym, or if if that's the one you go to. But I have no idea what that thing's called. Give me a guess. Wait, uh, all olive branch thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that thing's called. Am I at least right? With I'm not gonna guess it. I mean, I, I, it's the olive. You branch. are, you are correct in the Pokemon. It is Arboliva, the yeah, stage two never that evolves from uh, olive and olive. Yeah, all of it. I knew what it was. I just, I, but again, I'm the worst with the names, but I like, I know what it is. I, I just <laughs> you, hard. you basically I, described it in your name, olive tree or branch. Yeah, and uh, Katie's basically. the trainer that 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 has. <laughs> you are correct. So the, that's the ability when you play this Pokemon from your hand to evolve one of your Pokemon. You may heal all damage from one of your Pokemon. So heal effect on Arboliva. That was my pull. So just the hollow rare, nothing too crazy in here. Nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. Well, no, I mean that was good. I th- I give myself seventy five percent credit. <laughs> Still pass, kind of, not a good one. Uh, I either way, let's I move gave it to on. You. Thank you, I appreciate it. All right, I've got a Pokemon today for you. Um, again, standard legal as per the use. And today's Pokemon has an attack, and that attack name is Sheer. Cold. Sheer cold. Sheer cold. So well, I'm going to guess it's going to be an ice Pokemon. That means water type in the card game. Huh. I will say this, this is a, not a meta card. You will never see this in a competitive deck. Not even probably a B tier deck or a, a, a just for fun deck. 
still not even well, good enough for those. This is standard legal, though, right? It is standard legal. Uh, can I know what what uh, type it or what is what stage it is? It is a stage one. I'm gonna guess that walking iceberg thing. Walking iceberg thing. Oh, oh, the um, avalug. 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 Yeah, I think that's what it's called. But no, it's not avalug. Oh, okay. Uh, it that of course is <laughs> bear tech. Bear tech. Bear tech. Bear tech. Okay. Yeah. Um, kind of a cool art, and I always kind of like, you know, that the Pokemon. It just um. Yeah, that's never a meta card. Uh, so sheer cold for an uh water and ice or water and colorless energy, uh, forty damage during your opponent's next turn. The defending Pokemon can't attack. Hey, those effects are really popular at the moment. Can't attack, no retreat. But you know, just uh, hurt me if you're basic. escape rope, escape rope, everything. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Yeah. All, All right, right. Chuck, I have a new segment slash game i want to play with you i know i tease it to you but i still haven't told you what it is uh no. so hopefully you do enjoy this and we can you maybe make this a week-to-week thing um and, am, or maybe you won't like it at all and we can just make it a one-up we'll see i am um, i'm super excited you said i have a new game to play and i was it's, like it's, I'm in. it's it's yeah i mean it, it can be pokemon related i would like to keep this uh, it definitely can go way off the the, the cues, but uh, I would like to keep it Pokemon related. Um, and, you know, whenever we were growing up, you know, whenever you were talking with your friends, you would like I, at least inevitably, inevitably in conversation, growing up through the years with random friends um, through the years, always would say, hey, who would win in a fight? X or Y. And then okay. we get an argument. So. <laughs> I think this segment, who would win? So, Chuck, this is going to kind of be a maybe a softball slash. Not these are not heavy hitters, uh, but I want to know who do you think would win in a fight? No abilities, just straight fight. Um, and this is going to be Pokemon related. Uh, so today's Pokemon I have are Caterpie versus Weedle. <laughs> oh, geez. So. This is this this is gonna be fun. Uh I, I can see in the future when we do this. Now this is a good fight because it's it's two bug Pokemon. So it's even. Uh, they're both they're both pretty weak. Um yeah, <laughs> but I, I some video game uh aficionado, I'll say, it will go out there and be like, Well, Caterpie's got the higher speed stat, so it's gonna hit him faster and harder or something like that. So I I have none of that knowledge. So I'm I mean, I want to know about Caterpie being faster. I think Weedle has a little bit more of a, you know, a slender body, a, able to move around a little bit better. Yeah, well, I'm just going to go with Weedle at least has a spike on its forehead. <laughs> so I'm just going to think that Weedle will be able to make use of that. So he's got the most dangerous weapon of the two. So unless Caterpie is faster and speedier. Okay, uh, if we give Caterpie what was it is like his string shot, if we give him the ability to shoot webbing, do we do we does that change your mind at all? No, I'm gonna stick that look. I like Caterpie. This is a hard choice. 
but I'm, I'm gonna stick with Weedle, uh, because of the spike, and then I don't know, man. I'm, I'm gonna, get to I'm, the B. I'm gonna I'm, go with the B. He's not a B yet. He's just a little worm. I know. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to disagree with you here. I'm just playing. You got a mindset advocate. of a B. Then. I'm gonna de- devil's advocate. I'm gonna say it's gonna be Caterpie all day, uh, because one, he is bigger, bulkier. Um, he'll be able to take that spike, no problem. And he also has that little, like, not necessarily a spike, but antenna thing where he could use it as kind of like a deflection thing. So he can move Weedle to the side when he's, you know, striking at him. And then he'll use his body just to slam him uh, and have that extra weight. So, I, you know, I'm going Caterpie. I'm Team Caterpie all the way. <laughs> I just had, like, the visual, like, uh, outside on the sidewalk, a caterpillar <laughs> and like a potato bug going at it or something. Right. If it's real life, a, a caterpillar would win that fight all the time. Uh, yeah, that would be fun. I know Weedle's not a potato bug, but I can't think of a real yeah, thing. I know, I know, I know. Uh, I want to know what you guys think. I think also this, this could, we can bring the community in I'm, every week, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna. Have- yeah, let us know. There's going to be a survey on on in the notes. Go to your Spotify. Who wins, Caterpie or Weedle in a fight? Right, right. And then I guess we could always, uh, you know, if this becomes popular, we could definitely, um, you know, say what what the community says each week on the following episode. So um, I I think this is a pretty fun category, um, especially you know the kid in me always wondering who would win. Um, so I, I wanted to bring that to to the podcast, bring a little bit of light in something different um, than you, you know, we have been in the past. Yeah, if there is that video game aficionado, let me know who has the better stats, who would actually <laughs> win <laughs> in a VGC fight um, at the same level. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, they're both uh, level five. Um, but all okay, right, I think that's time uh, enough of who would win. Um, and it's time for us to, you know, move this podcast along and get into our sponsor. The Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast is brought to you by Sports Car Junction. Located in the North Hills of Pittsburgh, Sports Car Junction is a one-stop shop for players and collectors with a wide variety of singles, supplies, packs, and boxes available in-store and online at sportscarjunction.com. And don't forget to check out our weekly league Thursdays at 6.30. All right. Thank you again, sponsors, for being uh, sponsors of the cast. Sports Card Junction, very much appreciated. After the break, it's always time to get into the news. So this week, uh, we don't have a whole lot of really crazy new news. Um, All the cards that we have known are out and being released i believe paldeo evolve is or not Paldea, the play burst and snow hazard is released in japan so people are looking for their ionos um uh over there in japan and everything so we don't have any new uh cards to talk about we did get uh one bit of news that i wanted to say uh the set after paldeo evolved in the u.s the august set um, has a name and it'll be called Obsidian Flames. That's kind of uh, cool. Usually, yeah, sounds cool. Uh, the only real reason I wanted to bring it up, uh, we usually don't talk about naming names of the set, is that uh, there is there is like a the 
with the the re release of the name, they've notated that the set will feature um, a darkness type Charizard EX that is also the a Terra darkness type. So we have a new Charizard inbound. More Charizard. You know what? Like Pokemon's like it's been like what three sets since we've had a Charizard, <laughs> and not including yeah. the one that was uh, in the in the mini set. Uh, what was the last mini set? I don't even remember at the time. Uh, but sure there was one in Crown Zenith at least. Yeah, so. they, they, yeah, there's Crown Zenith. Yeah, not the reprint of the of the. Um, can't go three sets but, without printing Charizard. Right, you you got to throw Charizard out there, right? <laughs> got to make that yep. money. You know, you got to get those Gardevoirs out there. You got to get the Charizards. <laughs> All the fan faves. Yeah, so um, that's why I wanted to bring it up. Uh, it's cool, and it will be, uh, which was uh, what we were kind of hoping, uh, uh, the first kind of odd-typed Terra Pokemon. Um, yeah. Like it, um, so it would be if it's Charizard being Darkness-type, uh, that's not its usual typing, obviously. It's usually a Fire Pokemon. We haven't seen it be a Dark-type since it was a Delta T since it was a delta species back in dragon frontiers so now did we do we know if it still has the same bench barrier ability no there's no uh there's no wording or even anything on the the concept of the card um it was just that the set um the the, the japanese set yeah that, that will be based off of the set it will feature this type of card not fair enough, fair it enough. will feature this card that was not there's no picture of yet so okay well fair enough uh, again uh, excited for any new pokemon product um not excited to try to chase another expensive charizard probably most likely um yeah. hopefully i pull it because i don't want to buy it <laughs> yeah hopefully hopefully the 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 pull rates continue um uh, all the way through scarlet and violet that we've seen in in scarlet and violet the uh, base set um, and we can see a lot of Charizard EXs. Um, that'll be fun. Um, the last bit of somewhat, I don't even want to call it news, uh, but it was, uh, I guess, Pokemon Twitter debate, fun discussion. I thought it would be fun to bring up on the cast, at least to get our takes on it, because it, it, it was a cool discussion, but uh, it is the the... The Champions Festival Dilemma. Uh, because for those of you who aren't on Twitter and haven't seen the debate, um, there's a large debate about Champions Festival because a lot of top players and, and big deck-building minds think that the optimal deck lists for Gardevoir EX decks after the next set releases will have the need to play at least two Champions Festivals, which, if you don't know what that card is, uh, it is a stadium that uh, heals every Pokemon on the board 10 HP once per turn. Um, I mean, obviously, any stadium, either player can use it. Mm. But the, the thing why this is a big deal is Champions Festival is a limited release promo. It is only given out to Worlds participants. I believe. I believe you have to have attended Worlds to have a set of Champions Festival cards. Yeah. And most of these currently are going for at least $300 plus. At least yeah. a leaked version. Um, 
that's the only thing playable in the US. All right. So I get I mean I I wasn't part of any of this discussion. I don't know what people's opinions are, um, you know, plus or minus. Um obviously for me, uh, I'm a huge Gardevoir fan uh, of the deck. Um, and and to put it in context for uh, even further, um, there's a card right now, uh, Drifloom, uh, that does, was it 30 times damage for each damage yes. counter on there? So it fixes it so you can put an extra damage counter on there uh, so you can go for big one-shots. Um, that's not necessarily possible cur- currently uh, because we don't have essentially Cape of Toughness, which is coming out in the next set, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, that's I should have I should have you're doing a good better job than me. I should have prefaced all of the three the three major cards in the combo it yeah. is uh Drifloom. the embrace card of or EX, basically yeah. that deck. The new charm of courage, I believe it's called, which is a essentially a cape of toughness. So they're giving uh the Drifloon, which is in Scarlet and Violet. You can read that card, it's available as right. as it is right now. Um, but it has that attack that does um 30 damage per each damage counter on it. So you give that thing 50 H 50 more HP, currently has 70, goes up to 120. You're looking to get to that magical damage of 11 damage counters on it so that you can hit 330 damage and one hit knockout anything with a single prize drift loom. So yeah, so obviously that card seems pretty busted because it fixes math to let you do that additional um to to potentially go up and above your opponents. Uh, realistically, most people aren't going to have that. Even super competitive players like myself, um, if I fe- feel like this is the deck that needs to be played, um, there are still workarounds um, that you don't need Champions Festival. Is it apples to apples? No. Um, but, you know, we have things like um, the the damage pump. Uh, we saw that in, in the uh, Zora Arc deck, uh, the Zora Arc uh, V and V-Star. Um, you know, th- that way you can potentially move damage counters because you can still, um, you know, spread damage through through that deck with uh, Gardevoir to other Pokemon and then damage pump um, some off Drifloom onto there to fix that math um, to, to get up to that maximum point. Is that as efficient? No, probably not, but that's a, a card you could use. Um, another card that you could use, and I'm a big proponent of, at least in my current um, uh, Gardevoir deck, which... I feel it really fixes um, Lost Box matchup, especially Sableye. Um, but that's the Picnic Basket. So uh, for for you, or for those that don't know, it's an item card that heals 30 damage to every Pokemon on the board. So it can be on your opponent's side too. Um, but it makes it a little bit clunkier, obviously, because you have to attach more energies um, from, from Gardevoir to the Drifloom, which means you have to get more in your discard pile. Um, but it is it is fixing the math because it is an odd number. So you can potentially put two more um, energies on there to get to that damage threshold uh, that you need to do. So those are just two cards off the top of my head um, that I'm thinking, hey, I'll probably put those in the deck instead of the Champions Festival because I haven't been to Worlds yet. I've never had the opportunity, um, obviously, because I wasn't in the game when Worlds was around um, when I started playing. Um, and I'm not about to spend $300 on a set of Champions Festival cards um, on a card that's my, it, at least mildly better than the the two that I just talked about. Correct. Um, so, yeah, I don't know exactly 
I, my take on it is I'm kind of with you. I feel like if the so there's going to be an optimal way to play anything, but that doesn't mean it's going to run smoothly. So like, who knows how hard this is? To, it might even be to pull off. Maybe I mean, with a stadium, it sounds pretty easy. Yeah, with a stadium, it sounds pretty easy. Um, but like you said, there's I think people are going to find a not three hundred dollar way to if that's what current champion festivals are going for to play around it a little bit and maybe very similar um who knows uh i mean you could also what the meta might bring at that point in time whether like drift loon could be still usable or right. I mean, not even, we, like we'll that. see uh, i i you know with with current builds um and you say you you might say hey jake you're making this a little bit harder because you're you're not picking a stadium card so it's harder to find um somehow uh, but you could always play uh, the you know Arvin um, with with combination of Luminion. So that way you can always um, find that card for sure um, yeah. um, right there and there. I know that's maybe a you know a more of a high risk play because you're putting a two two prize liability on the bench. Um, but there are always ways to you know even just put an Arvin out there to to make it a little bit more consistent that you will find those pieces um, in the times you need them. Yeah, I, and then. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to kind of mention about it is that is that like people have been calling like they should just ban Champions Festival because it's so limited. No, like I just I I agree with you. Like I, people that are saying that, I think they should. But I be honest, I don't think they're gonna like. This I don't think the they should. I, I don't think they should at all. Like if you if you won the if you won your spot to Worlds and that card that's never been relevant in the majority of you know the metas. Um, because I believe that card's always been the same. Um, if you if you find a reason to play it, play that damn card. I I would yeah, high five you. It's like heck yeah, man! You made worlds, and you're gonna make you're gonna give yourself a competitive advantage because you earned it. Um, you know, in the past, I am all for it, I, and I'm, that will I'm give gonna... me more motivation to beat you without <laughs> it. Because if I could beat you when you have the advantage and you made worlds because you got that. That just shows that you know. I, hey, I'm gonna. I, I'm. I'm. A, I'm up there, and I could comp compete. I, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna disagree with you. I don't. I'm not like a hardcore like ban it card, but I'm gonna. I'm saying they should just based off the this precedent because last world's the one that just happened. Mm -hmm. They banned a bunch of cards right before world, which is why if it's gonna get banned, it'll be banned right before worlds because that's when they kind of update it for a meta, but. Uh, because they did a bunch of promos that were, they banned a bunch of stuff that was like only re limited release in Europe. If you remember, like the on the ball promos, they banned yes, them. That, that's, that is different because yeah. not everybody around the world has an opportunity to get those, but everybody around the world not has everyone, an opportunity to make worlds. I, I agree nah, with you. Yes and no. Yes and no. I take that back. That you pathway. can't readily get available to any player um to have so i that's why and and the the on the ball promos are barely playable too but they still ban them anyway so sure. even sure. if this is marginally playable i still think because of its limited release status it's not something that anyone can go there wasn't a product that someone could go get it out of they they printed they card. printed grookey on the ball for everybody right now and that is small while <laughs> well 
Mawile is just there's better no than other, on the ball. There, but see, if there was a sta- if I look, if there was a stadium called like uh, Dance Party or whatever you want to call it that did the same exact effect, I would not care. I don't think anyone else would care. But because the only way you can get this effect at all is with the one stadium that they give away as a world promo. Uh, that's that where give that's it, where I kind of them. side with people on that, but I don't really care one way or the other. I'm not gonna. I'm uh, not if you grind it to make it, or you did good well at a bunch of uh, big tournaments, I, I'm all for you having that uh, having that promo. It's all good to me. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm not a huge fan of the the what do they call what have they been saying? It's like a, not pay to win, but having an advantage just because you've done well in a tournament beforehand because of that. Like, I, I don't know what they called it, but I'm not a huge fan of it. You should have an even playing field going into every tournament. Uh, I'm, but... I'm on the opposite side of the fence of you because I, <laughs> I think if you did well in a tournament, you should, if they gave you even just a small advantage, take it. Take it. I, I'm all for it. That gives you more motivation to get one yourself and then use it <laughs> next time. Take it. Give it to them. I, I... I feel like we've just had another episode of uh, when Jake and Chuck disagree. <laughs> well, that's fine. We don't disagree often. <laughs> hey, uh, and yeah. this is not that heated, but I, I, I'm i yeah, definitely yeah. on the other side of the fence than you. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I mean, it's it's good. I mean, good to have. I mean, there's a lot of people on both sides of the fence. So, I mean, honestly, this is all in Pokemon's court, TPCI, and I honestly don't see them doing anything about it. Please don't. I we, we haven't seen them do anything with banning cards, yet alone a marginally ban like a marginally playable card for one deck that might be crazy in a month or two. So right, we'll see. Right. Stay on the ball, Pokemon. All right, uh, let's move on because we can just go in circles and circles, especially uh, when we're trying to drive our point across. Yeah, so let's get in the real topic. Right. Well, this is this is a, another subtopic. Um, and, and not a lot of people are talking about it. I know with all the the CP up there, uh, there's not a lot of love for live. And I know their live it still has its issues. It's definitely gotten better. Um, I'm I'm not going to focus on gameplay issues that uh, people have pointed out. I've I've seen that. Um, but a lot of people are still testing on live. Um, for these big events. Um, and you still want to play whatever deck you want to, but. Um, I think one little quick thing um, is a lot of people want to climb the ladder on live to get all those prizes. What's the most efficient way to do this? I've heard a few people ask or just kind of have their own, um, you know, conversations locally. And, you know, for me, I, you know how much I love Gardevoir in this current meta. I've been playing it to all the IRL events. Um, although I just don't feel Gardevoir a great deck to play on, on live. Same thing with Lost Box because those, those decks don't lend into fast gameplay and don't lend into climbing the ladder efficiently. Um, so I suggest not to play those decks, even though I love them. I think the two decks, at least in my eyes, that you should be playing on the ladder if you're wanting to just climb quick are Lugia Single Strike and Maridon. Those decks are fast off the gates. Um, they might have their problems towards the end game, but a lot of times if you're fast off the gates, there's going to be people that are just conceding. Um, and then you can get those, uh, you know, all that, all those crystals and stuff pretty quickly. Um, so again, I, I know it's not a huge topic and all, not a lot of people are talking about it, but um, that's, I just wanted to put that two cents in, I guess. Yeah, I know. It's a good two cents. And I like the, the suggestion on the two decks, especially if you have 
um, time to, I would, I would say, grind games or play a lot of multiple games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're short on time, um, or if you, I don't know, I would place the, for me, I kind of place the quality of like, I want to play, I got time to play a game, maybe two, and I want to win it. That's when you can kind of say, okay, I'm going to play Lost Box. Like, well, I'm I mean, the thing is, okay, like, so Lost Box, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying those two decks aren't necessarily better, especially Maridon. I think they're both, I think Maridon's B tier, Lugia's probably, you know, A plus S tier in the meta right but now. The, but the thing, the thing the, is, the, you can, those are decks that you can still win with, but you can win with quickly. Um, and it's well, not unreasonable a, I, to expect a win. It's just, uh, it's just like you, you can still play solitaire with yourself quickly, um, and, and just you know get those games out of the way quick. Yeah, that's the that was the I wasn't disagreeing with you on that. It's just those 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 decks play speedy games in general, mm-hmm. whether you win or lose. Uh, they give you good chances to win, so they're good decks to play. Which is why I agree with your assessment. But if you're not playing more than one game and you don't only have limited time. Right. Like if Lost Box is your deck, play it. Like that's why I I still play stuff like uh Guard of War. I've been bouncing back and forth oh, between Guard of War. And I'm not suggesting and... not to. Uh but yeah. yeah. I mean Arcanine, I still play so... Guard of War because I'm I'm trying to test for all the things I'm going to. Um but like if I just want to, you know, almost turn my brain off and just kind of play some Pokemon but not really think too hard. Not a lot of huge decisions. Um, you know, that's that's definitely a you know a, a plus point uh for if you just want to kind of relax um and not really put stress on a lot of like huge sequencing or or decision making. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I agree with you fully. I did yeah. my part in in not trying to get everyone playing Maridon because I've I've played a lot of Maridon. My friend uh Joe has told me he's played a lot of Maridon. So uh, my my PSA was don't play Maridon just because there's so many already. But it, it's also play Maridon on live. <laughs> if you wanna, it, it, you could play IRL. But, you know, still seeing some success. It's not like the best deck for sure. But um, that's kind of my two cents. Um, fun decks uh, to play uh, quickly, yeah. um, and I think just you know live is not getting you know the love it may just need, um, even if it's just talking about climbing the ladder. No. It, they are very good suggestions in that you can get uh, if you really want to move up in that ladder and the pass as well. You can get through and win a good amount of games quickly. So that is good suggestion. 100%. All right, Chuck. I think now it's time to get into um, you know meta talk uh, coming up. You know, obviously we still are a couple weeks off of having Hardford up there. I think Vancouver, not Vancouver, something on the West Coast, I think is this coming up weekend or maybe two weekends from now. I think Hartford is next. And that Hartford is, is next. Either way, uh, you know, we have, you know, uh, NAIC coming up too in the, in, in the, yeah, Portland. So I, there, there are tournaments on the horizon, which are, we're going to stay in the meta that we're currently in, which is still very fresh um, overall. Um, so I just kind of want to get, um, some feel for some decks that you're gonna you're considering bringing if you're going to these events, uh, and some decks or archetypes that you would kind of stay away from, and we'll give pros and cons to them um, and discuss though um, those decks as we go along. Um, so I guess we'll start with you, Chuck. If you're going to another regional right now in this brand new meta, 
what and you're trying to win or at least just say you're trying to make cut um what what is that deck that you are most likely going to bring or start your testing point at um all right me personally i'm going to steal your deck probably um uh, personally i'm going to go test gardevoir um uh, i think it's still uh, I mean, we saw T Tord take it at UUIC all the way to second place. Mm -hmm. It has some uh, a wonky matchups out there, but I think uh, I don't know if Tord's list is like the way to go at the moment, but I think with a little bit of tweaking um, and testing and figuring out the right amount of 60, you can someone will be able to replicate that and they don't have to be named Tord. Um, right. Uh, it, uh, I think the archetype is, is is very well in playing it over the weekend. It has a lot of great potential. There's a lot of different lines of play for uh, someone who, who likes that type of archetype. Um, so that would be something I would look to if I wanted to do well, um, right. make a day two, uh, make a deep run. Even if you arguably want to win the tournament, it could be uh, something that can do that too. I mean, I think it definitely has the legs to win tournaments. It has a pretty good matchup spread. Um, so that's one reason to, you know, bring um, bring a Guard of War variant. Um, of, of course, the Tor is an awesome player. Um, they're probably the best player uh, in the world currently. Um, with, you know, the deck lends itself to a lot of decision making because, you know, any deck right now with, um, with a, a vast array of trade, uh, basically, or what was it, uh, not Shining Arcana, it was the, uh, the dang ability, Curlia's ability, uh, basically trade. Refinement. Uh, yeah, refinement. You're, you're, you're getting rid of, you know, cards, so there's decision-making there. Uh, so if you want to, you know, test yourself as a player, for sure, um, sometimes that lends to difficult decisions or awkward decisions that can win or lose you games. Um, but it's definitely a deck that runs quickly if it sets up. Um, there's a lot of Pokemon search, so it gets that up. It gets set up pretty quickly. Um, and even if you have a, you know, I think the deck lends itself to even if you have a slow start, um, and you fall behind a prize or two, uh, depending on the matchup, you can still catch up because, um, the Oko ability to take out two prizers, one prizer, um, and then to start doing that consistently mid to late game, um, are huge for the deck. Um, not to mention you still have the ability. Um, depending on the game state, to take snipe shots with uh, the Cresselia, which is a huge math fixer against Lost Box. I know a lot of people think Lost Box is still just a, a god-awful matchup, and it's almost an auto-lose, um, but I, that's not been my testing so far. Um, I, I still think it's a 50-50 or worse. So it's not like a, you know an auto-win by any match. Um, I'm, so, I, I, I pulled up their, their meta spread right now on Trainer Hill, and mm -hmm. Gardevoir takes essentially a 50-50 towards everything. And Lost Box is is that's the, the one that's the farther end of away from 50-50. Um it is like currently a 42% win rate against Lost Box. So uh, even if that's like that, more of like a 60-40, but that's not a like it's not a that's not a crazy bad matchup. That's yeah, if not that's your, if if, uh, if, it's, if it if at worst is 60-40, and that's the only matchup that's quote unquote bad for it and everything else is 50 50 and your worst matchup is still a 60 40 it's it's all right, come on that that still seems like a pretty winner of a deck to me yeah 
Yeah, I mean, and you arguably have things that you are better at than uh than but most things are closer to 50-50. Um it's just I would say uh, a lot of execution is in Gardevoir and how you can beat at pretty much anything. Right, right. You can it does, it has the tools and it's one of those ones where um, you know, how we see the meta swing from week to week in these big tournaments. It has the ability to put tech cards in to ad- adapt to, you know, what was countering it. Um, like, for instance, uh, for EUIC, we saw um, Mawile, um, you know, kind of rise up to kind of block a lot of decks um, being able to switch out. Because, like, I think one of the, you know, the the early renditions of Guard of War is it didn't have any switch cards um, just for the fact that, hey, Gardevoir just powers whatever's in the active up and it goes down. Um, but, you know, just throwing an escape rope in there um, adds a consistency there. Um, it's, and it kind of lends to like Volpix. Volpix being a, a huge deal, you know, beating toward in the finals, which I still think that was a 50-50 matchup. But it's not like an auto loss because you can adjust, put an escape rope, escape rope boss. Is always a play or escape rope when they're setting up something like that. Um, so it always has the ability to to add those tech cards uh, depending on what's hot in the meta. I beat that matchup, but oh, so, so I beat it. I beat it, uh, which was um, my last with, with towards towards list was able to beat that matchup. It's just oh yeah, execution. Um, and Alex played it really well in, in the same time, but hundred um, percent. It's just it's not. The Vulpix is not a, a auto win towards it. It's just a very good card to help stop that deck. But we've seen it now. There, there is. Yep, it's known. The world knows that Vulpix is a thing that can stop Gardevoir, and Gardevoir just uh, Gardevoir players can go, "Hey, let's uh, let's put something in here that deals with Vulpix." Like right, right, and then don't don't forget memory skip too. So like. Some people say, well, you're going to just put the Vulpix down and don't worry about an escape rope. Well, sure, you can do that, um, but you're at the risk of that they don't have uh, the memory skip Ralts come in there, memory skip you, and then you're stuck. And then what are you going to do? Put another Pokemon in there, do, and then that play opens up, or you just memory skip them and KO for the win. Yeah. Um, my, yeah, it, it has the tools. I did it with KOing. On RC, like you can, the three cards that it wants in play, you can KO. Like the, you can still get six prizes. So, 100%. I took a KO on Arceus with a Sky Skill Stone, making it three prizes, and then I KO'd a Duraludon. Right, I did the, the same thing. Was in play. <laughs> I did the same the thing. was in play. It attacked. I went boss Duraludon, and I stuck a whole bunch of energy on Zashian V, and was like, I still win. So bye bye. <laughs> exactly, I win. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gardevoir, solid choice. I mean, again, that's the top of my list. Um, but I think that's enough about Gardevoir. We can go on and on um, how much we love that deck. But I think the second deck I would consider right now, since you got to pick uh, pick one, I would go Lugia Single Strike. Um, now, this deck feels really, really good because, like I said, it still sets up, I feel like, arguably faster than it did before because it has Mezgoza. I mean, obviously, you have the um, there's two variants. You have the the Great Ball um, variant where you can, can people say it's consistent enough to find it, uh, or the 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 Aroma um, where you flip your card. And regardless of what you flip, heads or tails, you're either getting your basic, which can become a fish, become Burnett, become 
Archeops in the discard pile, or it can just get your Archeops and then you can discard them um, however you'd like at that point. Um, it feels like it sets up pretty quickly. Um, once you do that, you put that pressure on with those single strikes. Um, Gardevoir is a big thing, so you have to T-Tar to take the Oko there. Um, you have just, you know, you have, you know, our, our Lugia is a, a good attacker, especially early um, in a matchup. Um, and you also still have a couple other single strike options, the Stone Turner. Um, in, I've seen other random techs in there that you can you you can add. Um, but yeah. the deck feels great, um, especially in the early game um, where you set up. And again, consistency on setup is where it's at. Um, and that's why I would put Lugia um, as my second pick. It's arguable. Like I haven't I haven't played this, but I played against it a lot. And I I would argue and one of the players that play it in my store, like they say it, it almost sets up faster and easier than the old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um partly because you're only worried about uh one or two attackers. So you're not you're not uh looking for a one of prized attacker, you're not like oh, I started the I started my Evatol, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Like it is Lugia, and then you have Tyranitar or Stone, and then the Stone Journer for very specific things. So, um, yeah, you're you're almost like streamlining it a little bit easier, more. So it it does set up. It's very very fast. Uh, it hits really hard, and. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be good. It would be one. It was going to be one of my recommendations if you did not recommend it, um, just because on on those facts. Um, even though I'm still not a huge fan of Lugia, but I like Tyranitar, so I've been on the hunt for a couple V Star Lugias. I might actually play it for once. Yeah, but because I want to play Tyranitar, I am not a huge fan of Mesagoza though. Um, I get why it's there. Um, I'm just not a huge fan of helping your opponents get Pokemon as well. Agreed. Um, So I've seen and heard other people playing it with other stadiums, whether it's Tower of Darkness or other stuff. I don't know if they're any good, but yeah, we have a local that plays with the Tower of Darkness. It feels like it sets up pretty good, Um, but I still think Mezagoza overall feels better. Even if you're helping your opponent, if you set up faster and take a KO, who cares? Exactly. There is that whole like, well, I'm just going to set up and win, so it doesn't matter if I help them. Um, and they still have to flip on top of it, so you might not I'm actually sure. help them. I just uh, that I'm, I'm just I don't know. Maybe I've just not hit enough goes for myself that I just like I don't like this card. Right. So exactly. So I I will say though, um, Lugia is as great as it feels. Early game is where I think we both kind of have the sediment where it sets up faster than in in the past um i think where it struggles um is that late game that mid to late game when once you you power up that t-tar or you or you you power up a loogie or whatever um because you're having those um single strike energies in there it lends a little bit less versatility or the uh the available energy to put on to lugia um and what's late game i've seen it hurt um a few different local players um, while just kind of casually watching games um, where they just kind of ran out of their resources just because they maybe had a couple energy prized um, and can't give those resources to Lugia when that's the best option or only option to, you know, maybe try to close out a game. Um, So it feels like 
in the past where you could have just you know powered up a Charizard, um, powered up a you know whatever your your radiant Pokemon were at the time, um, your, your Givitals, your your Raikus or anything. You don't have those options. You have a little less versatility with no um, um, Aurora energy. Um, all those you know those different color energies where you're you're basically relying on um, single strike and colorless stuff, um, and it just kind of makes it a little harder end game um to take the w uh but overall if you can get out ahead um and you can you know weather that early storm or, or take control of that um you should be fine and i still think the deck is definitely very very strong that is the i think its biggest weakness is resource management um it is highly um it is more volatile than the old lugi archaeops in resource management in that um, you have four energy in the deck that literally can only go to the Tyranitar. Um, right. Uh, it can't get attached to anything else besides besides your Stone Journey and Tyranitar. So that leads you to some. You have end game resource management issues, cheeky plays. We saw it at EUIC in juniors, um, where you can get. Like you can get boss locked, like depending on yeah. how aware um opponent has like how many how, how aware your opponent has is of your energy situation, you might not be able to retreat or something like that. Um yeah, so it has yeah. it it has cheeky things in that that it could happen that could happen to you, but it also has cheeky things because we've seen another deck like Gardevoir like to play down to really low amounts of cards. And you gotta keep track of Tyranitar V. Three ten, it, it, it takes off the top two of the deck. So um, deck out is a deck out is a possibility uh, for this uh, for this archetype still in long late game situations. So yeah, and one cheeky play I want to mention uh, when we talking about the energies and how awkward it is um, for single strike energies and Lugia. Um, obviously, I was playing a heavy count of. Um, Temple of Sinnoh to try to stop, you know, Lugia from attacking, starting its thing. Um, but if a Temple of Sinnoh is in play, um, those single strike energies actually can be attached to him because they, they've just become yeah. colorless and then he could use them. Um, so just be aware of that. Um, if you're, you may be thinking, oh, well, you can, you, you've got your opponent in a checkmate position because you put this stadium down, you may be helping them in those situations. Uh, so just something, you know, a little semi niche uh, that you should kind of you know keep in mind. Yep. All right, Chuck. Next one. Um. Uh, all right. So we talked about Lugia and Gardevoir. Um. I will bring up um my last one that if I was trying to uh win, do well at the tournament. Um. One that I think is good to bring. I will say, Lost Box. And the, this is specifically Be more specific. <laughs> this is specifically all single prizers, um, just straight well, lost box. The cram. This is not necessarily all single prizers, but we are not using Giratina. Um, whether you want to go Sablezard, I think could be good, but uh, that's could the also one I had as my third deck. Third deck, you stole it from me. Um. I'm kind of putting Sablezard 
and the Sky Seal Stone one, like it's that those two are the Lost Stone boxes to play. Like whether you go Sablezard or you go Sky Seal Stone with Dragonite Essential, like I think those are the two of the Lost Box to use. They have the highest potential to beat almost everything else in the format. They have obviously a lot of versatility and how to play in lines to get out of situations. Um, I think those are the two best versions that you can see. Sablezard uh, probably has a little bit of even higher skill ceiling because you don't have things that necessarily hit hard and you're finding ways to try and use Sable or Charizard over and over again. Um, Lost but, City. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's a card that will just, yeah, Lost City is a prop, like a thing. So, yeah, right. those, so, that's I mean, my last thing. Lost Box, yeah, Zable's Art feels, um, it, it's definitely a high skills cap, cap and I, I had that there. Um, but just to be different, and, and I'm, it, this is still Lost Box, but another variant that I think is actually really, really good, high skills uh, cap again, is the Kyogre build. Um, being able to late game, um, and take like a, a knockout with say like Sableye and then follow it up with your end game um Kyogre to take W. Um against uh, there's a lot of two prize decks out there um that you can your know, multi-prize decks out there that you could take advantage of. Um and if you're playing that single prize um you know lost box v lost box or just some other single prizers, you you're still doing enough damage where you should still be able to keep up. So I think I don't have experience with uh, Lost Box with Kyogre, but that's another deck to consider because, you know, the end game kind of feels good when you could take, you know, four or five prizes to win when uh, when you're down. Um, yeah. Feels good. And it definitely takes um, a lot of resource management and, and good um, sequencing to be able to pull those plays off. But when you do, very exciting. Yeah. The main reason why I've stayed away from away from that archetype is just the simple uh i feel like the whole deck is uh you're building the, you're playing the game to hit a final turn right like and like that's there's a appeal to that game plan, your whole game plan is to spend 15 to 20 minutes to make a turn happen where you just win the game like in one big attack and uh, the the only reason I don't like that because there's probably there's so many scenarios where you just mess it up and then that's it you've just wasted 15 minutes like again uh, that's, a, that's a that's a deck for probably a higher end player to play um, yeah if you're just trying to burn through it and not think as much play Lugio <laughs> it's it's probably more <laughs> solid but I think it's a little less rewarding I guess yeah I mean. I feel like I could, I mean, I've, I've played Lost Box. I've been playing Lost Box the last, well, not four Scarlet and Violet release. I played Lost Box for two months straight. I feel like I could execute that turn. But at the same time, I just don't, I have the fear. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to play 15, min 15 minutes to then have the Lost, like I flower select the two cards I need and then the game's over because of that. I just don't, right. that's an area that, Nightmare scenario. I don't want 100%. to have. I, I agree. I yeah, but I mean, again, overall Lost Box, there's a bunch of different variants, um, different options that you can play, so highly suggest. But before we move on to decks that we wouldn't play, I want to just call out one card that um, I know 
going into the meta before we started that everybody was saying this card is oppressive and it's too good. It needs to be banned. Um, it will stop one prizers from being relevant. And I'm not saying the card is bad because it's not. It's a great card, but it is nowhere near the level of OP, um, especially going into like a bunch of Ralts. And that is Sableye, um, you know, Lost Box, uh, the, the one that does, uh, you know, the energy spread. Uh, or, or the damage spread, 12 damage counters. Um, it's a good card, but it's not so oppressive that it's killing these one prizers. So um, don't be as scared of that card as maybe everybody says. There's definitely play arounds to it. Um, if you're if you're worried about a spread deck that like Sableye could set up and then go into, um, just play two mana fees <laughs> or play some <laughs> kind of heal. Um, we We have heal cards in there. Um, like I kind of said, like if you're playing a Gardevoir deck, you can definitely play like a Picnic Basket plus Cresselia. Um, if you if you Champions Festivals is a thing that you have, you have other heal cards that can fix the map where they can't take multiple prizes um, consistently. I know Alucha is a card where it can kind of sets up sets up in combination, but that's only once. There's no scoop up net anymore. Um, maybe that once is the time it, it, you can just take W's, um, but we're not seeing as much Halucha love. So um, save why, although a very good card is not as busted as people may give it credit for. Yeah, it's it's something you you can you can play around, and it's not it, it, the the catch on it is the ten in the loss zone. So this isn't something that like turn one you got to go. Oh, geez. I got to be prepared Even for Sableye. if they get it turn two, I think you can still trade pretty evenly. Well, depending on two, your build, of course. That's a really good turn. <laughs> that's really good two turns in a row. Right, right, for right. For Lost Box. Um, but if you are playing a deck that wants to evolve single, like these small HP single prizers, maybe you're playing spiders like I did. Right. The, the, the trick it, like I found was just to get them out and get them evolved fast. And then late game, like it's it's one at a time because you can't you can't take two if you only put one. Like you know what I mean? Uh, like they can't hit two for sixty if there's only one. There's thing definitely there. been times where even in the guard of war again. I'm always saying this because this is what I've been playing lately. Is like I'll get two guard of wars on the table because I evolved them quick. They maybe took out one or two prizes worth of baby guys. Just don't put anything else out. You just yeah, chain yeah. those, um, and you're all good. Because uh, a lot of times, this there, there's, it just takes too long for that to go through everything. So, um, again, another play around to save why, um, if you can go turbo and quick, just have two big, beefy two prizers, and not enough prizes for them to go through everything. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's yeah, really you you <laughs> summed it up. So all right. So now that I got that tangent out off my chest, I needed to say that I've been thinking about for weeks. Um, I just the second half of this going into any big tournaments here coming up. Um, what are some decks that or archetypes that you definitely are going to steer away from and say, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pull. You can pay me to play that deck. Uh, one archetype that I don't necessarily don't want to touch with. A ten foot pole. I like the idea of it, but I I wouldn't recommend it. Is Intellion Urshifu? Uh, yeah, simply simply because 
the clunk factor in this could be an issue. Um, I just don't know of a way with the the combination of Pokemon and how it's built and the tricks you're trying to do to where you just don't have like more times than you would optimally want. You just get a hand where you just can't do anything. So that I've, would be- I've seen that again locally. Um, I've seen people play it. Um, the deck feels like it should be really good because it could just take multiple prizes, spread energies how you like it. Um, and then Yoga Loop always sounds so good, but it just in practice, um, it's just too clunk, like you said. Yoga Loop, I feel like it's just a lie in general. Obviously, it's done well um, in, in spurts, but in this current meta, since we've had meta psychic decks, I just feel like it'll never like quite be good enough. Uh, Manaphy is still a great thing. I know that they have the Inteleon uh, pinging um, with the, the VMAX, um, and it, it definitely can do work, but it just feels like it's too much work to get to that point when all these other decks um, get set up so fast. Um, and even for a deck that plays rare candy, it just sets up probably faster. Yeah. Well, my th- also, like, Manaphy is a big stopper of it. Not that you can't manufacture the the KO on the, the Manaphy with with the, the pings and whatnot. All that kind of stuff goes through it. Um, but... Like the yoga loop, why it kind of feels like a lie is I think the next turn after the yoga loop, like there may not be the possibility of get like the payoff. That better um, be the winning but, play right then, like, right then and there. Yeah, like the Dialga, like when Dialga takes an extra turn, you take that two twenty that you've done on the V Star turn, and you're you're most likely KOing something. You've taken a prize or two, right? right. And then the next turn, you already have so many energies on there. Yeah, you're nuking you're something. up whatever you want to blow up. The attackers in this deck do not have the ability to destroy whatever they want. Not you to mention... To uh, another. You basically have to yoga logo loop and then manufacture a, like a G-Max Rapid Flow to maximize some prizes there. And not to mention, if you just take out that Octillery... Um, because oftentimes they only have space for one of it on the bench. You take out an artillery, it's not just not setting up. It's not gonna be able to just manufacture those plays. Yeah, you can't. I feel like that deck is a lie. Yeah, that's uh, the the clunk factor is real. Uh hundred percent agree with you. Um yeah, and I would I I should have said that one, but no, no, that was a great pick. Um, uh, but for me, I'm gonna move on to my my pick where I absolutely would not play. Um, and that would be um Alex Shemansky's list that won uh EYC and mainly the bull picks. Um I still think Duraladon's a pretty solid choice to go along with Arceus. I think Bullpix is a known commodity, and I think that card was a very good savvy pick for him on this tournament. I think it is, at least for the next tournament or two, a complete garbage pick uh, because it's known. People are going to be ready for it. People have the answers, and if you and I've and I've seen it already, where people played um, played that card, and people already have the answers for it. So they they put a lot of stock into bull picks, and then it gets knocked out for one way or another, and then the game plan just falls apart. Yeah. I, I agree with the the 
when you play anti-metas, those are those are I feel like those are one tournament decks. Right. So that was the anti-meta deck for UIC. And Alex made a great call, very confident in I agree. play, choosing to do it, and it paid off. Um I don't think you can carbon copy that like yep. at all. In the next tournament, people are gonna be ready for it. Uh they're gonna expect people to kind of adjust to it too as well. Um, like I, I, it's just it's that people are gonna be ready for it. Whether you're playing it or whether you're playing something that uh, that is that's just one of your matchups, they're gonna be ready for it. They're gonna know their way around it. Even if it's just like it doesn't even necessarily mean like rope. Like the way the deck played, like, oh I I can put an echoing horn in there and, and do the same effect as long as I'm playing two bosses or I'm playing a second boss to get around the Vulpix. Like it's uh there's a lot of ways to get around it and it was just a very good call for that tournament. So agree. All right, Chuck, give me one more deck or archetype or a piece to a, a deck that you would just absolutely stay away from. Uh, I'm gonna, I might, I might, I might push people's buttons, uh, or or upset people, but uh, I would stay away from Maridon and Regilecki. Uh I just, you're you're. For the simple reason, you're high rolling. The whole point of the day is to high roll. Um, you, uh, you are essentially doing uh, what like Lugia wants to do in, like I want to get out, go fast, and like raw to victory. But mm. your end game is hot garbage because <laughs> it is it is so uh, fast. It, but it you just do not have it. any consistency once you start losing Pokemon. If the if your opponent can keep up with you. You will be out of energy and just not able to attack at the end of the game. Right. So uh, that that is why I would stay away from. Yeah, I mean, oftentimes going second, you can you can pretty reliably hit and take a a, like a a knockout or at least take big damage into something depending on what's in your opponent's active. Um, But more more times than not, your opponent will still be able to respond um, and take knockout. And if they do, um, it's hard to get. You know, for for that deck to chain attackers, um, especially if they're losing Pokemon every time they attack, um, because as great as the I forget what it's called now, but the electric uh, acceleration card, um, as great Ooh, as that God. card is, it, it's just not it's not as reliable as one would want it to be, especially in that early to mid game, like early mid game um, portion where the, your deck is pretty large. Um, and, and, and the, the odds of hitting those energies are that much quicker. Um, so I agree with you. Like, I, I, for the same reasons I would pick it for live, like we talked about, I would not pick it for a long grindy tournament, uh, because you can high roll and, and win games quickly, but you could also just be out of the games pretty quickly. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we did see it make top eight, at EUIC. Um, but yeah, I, I I say if you just want to make day two, you could probably get away with playing it, and you probably make day uh, two. I don't know because uh, again, like you, you're off fast, and when you're playing online, people tend to just concede. But when there's something more on the line, 
your opponent's just not going to concede. I think a lot of times, even even on live, when you you take that early knockout, your opponent quits when they might have still had a very realistic realistic chance to win. They just didn't yeah. want to climb out of that hole. They will right. try to climb out of that hole in real life. Yeah, you are correct. Uh, I mean, I just feel like you could high roll to six wins. That next there's always that possibility. We're consistently turn one. So. But I don't see you winning. Like honestly, like I don't, I don't want to say it's a fluke, but I think making top eight, the deck archetype, making top eight in USE was overachieving. Because if you look at the standings, uh, the next Maridon Regilecki was like eighty, like seventieth or eightieth place. Chuck, so, I'm very, I'm very proud of you uh, for for dogging on this deck as much as I actually love the deck. Um, but I just remember in the in the recent past where like I asked you basically the same question in a different meta, and your choice to to win win a, a meta game uh, was Zora Arc, which was basically a different version of a Le- uh, of this Maridon deck. So you have def- oh you've grown so much as a player because these are the same decks, and you went you flopped it. I love it. Yeah. So uh, it, it it is just uh, I'm just seeing I've seen it play out. I even I haven't even played the deck, but I've seen played against it. There's so many times where it's literally just a turn or two where you can't take a knockout, and then you get knocked out because nothing has a lot of HP. Um, the so it's it it just has a terrible late game, and I just don't see it high rolling to a top eight again. So agreed, agreed. All right, I think uh, we're on the same page there. I'm going to close us off um, with one more deck that I just absolutely would not bring. And I'm sorry to all the locals because um, we saw a lot of it uh, at that 1K. Uh, we've seen, you know, a lot of, I've seen a lot of love for the deck still. And that's Lost Box Garatina. I'm sorry. I just said that deck doesn't feel like it fits. Um, it, it has two prize liabilities as it sets up. And I know we're still transitioning into, um, you know, in a metagame where, you know, one prizers as they set up, um, if they get knocked out and whatnot, and then they can evolve into uh, multi-prizers. Um, and we're not 100% transitioned into that game where it's, they're all just going to be baby Pokemon. But I feel like this this deck out of everyone um, suffers from Garatina V, just how vulnerable it is. And if it gets knocked out, it it's giving your opponent, uh, you know, advantage in the prize race. Um, but then it's also just setting you back because then a lot of times you're not able to, you know, use Garatina effectively to what you want to do to use the V-Star power to take those knockouts on Duraludons or or anything like that where they're free instant prizes. Um, it, I feel like it slows Lost Box down more than any other variant of Lost Box because you have to have evolution lines. Um, in there um so i feel like uh, for those two reasons i feel like the deck is just too clunky um it doesn't set up fast enough i know it definitely has that sexy end game i can do what i want and and bully anything take out anything i want out Um, but i feel just like it's it's missing something currently where it's just not consistent enough for my liking um and and the data seems to show it um, at least, you know, EOIC, where it didn't really have a, a ton, a ton of a su- success. Um, and, it, you know, its play percentage was definitely down from what um, the Japanese meta started out when they when they had this meta. 
Yeah. And uh I'm gonna like I'm second basically gonna second second what you just said. Uh I think the card that you're adding to Lost Box um is the card that is making the deck the biggest detriment in, in Garatina. Mm-hmm. Um so what you're you're trading for that instant KO uh ability or not even ability attack. Um, you're offering up two prizes eventually, like kind of to your opponent. Um, and the I think the reason why this seems like so much, so much more vulnerable in this deck versus um, any other kind of archetype. But it's not the only card. Like this isn't the only deck that's playing two prize Pokemon. Right, 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 right. Um, uh, the reason why it seems like it's uber vulnerable is. So this deck doesn't want to bench a lot of two prize Pokemon. So it's just Giratina V is the highlight of, and when you see it, it it says on it, "Kill me." Uh, and uh, Lost Box does not have the room to judge people. Uh, it doesn't like the only reset card it plays is Roxanne, and that's late game. So we're talking earlier game. This is happening. So Roxanne isn't really something that you can stop people from having boss in their hand to just go oh i see it let me ko it and i'll i'll take care and, of it and and lugia it is a deck ha- i'm sorry go for it i was just saying it just doesn't have a way to def- defend itself from this situation of the vulnerability of putting the giratina v down the only defense it has is let me put a second one down <laughs> right and then at that point you just don't have enough um you know lost box pieces uh, to do what it wants to do, either the comp phase for the flower selecting or even putting Cramorant down for um, hitting. And then you're only, your your consistency engine is definitely hurting at that point. Um, and I think the biggest thing, I, it's definitely just killing the consistency in opposed to the other deck that we talked about that we should bring is Lugia. Um, and I think that deck just operates differently. Um, those two prize liabilities are still liabilities, but the deck sets up much quicker um, to get you know, that 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 stage one out there. Um, I think, you know, Garatina's realistically not hitting for, you know, it's it's V-Star power, um, you know, on, on turn two in most cases. And the, the rest of the deck isn't really helping Giratina's game plan. Mm-hmm. Like, Spit Innocently does not help Giratina knock out a Pokemon. doesn't help him do 280 damage. I guess it would help for against a Duraludon, but right. you just instant K Duraludon. Like it doesn't help. Like doing spit innocently is like, yay! They left a Ralts in the active. Let me get a knockout. Like, yeah. That the the rest of the deck doesn't really help it. Sable if Sableye is like a pivot, but it doesn't uh, really help, help the map. I mean, it, it does and it doesn't. But it's like so. Even if you do the whole like, what I've seen it is like you bench a gear, you bench two Giratinas. Your one gets bossed. You evolve the other one. You get it. You take the instant KO. And then I don't know if you're playing Lugia, down comes another Tyranitar onto four single strike energies. There goes your your Giratina V Star. You're down four prizes just to take those two instant ones. Right. And now you don't really have anything else in the deck that's going to take four prizes. Right. Like because yeah, it, the other it, cards in it aren't helping. That Garatina is is probably most effective like the play you just described. If that's the 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 late game final KO, uh, but at that point. Uh, you're you're just too slow to set up, and again, the, you have Cram and, and Sableye, but 
you have so many cards in your deck now that take away from the consistency that the other variants of Lost Box don't have to deal with so they can get those plays off more consistently, quicker, more often, and all that fun stuff. So, um, yeah, again, sorry for, you know, I know there's a lot of Tina love and I know it's seen some success, but there are so many things I think that just hold of deck deck. (laughs) I like that card. It's just, uh, unfortunately, I feel like Lost Box is going to start fading, especially when we get into... How they right. Evolved. I mean, again, like we saw in US, EUIC and there was a lot of lost box play between the variants, um, but the conversion rates compared to the other decks are just not as good. And I think lost box, although it's very good, its time is probably limited, um, as, as you kind of just alluded to. Um, yeah. And that depends. That's all variants, I think. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Once, once, we re- once we get a card that can that is going to be a four of in a deck that can reset your hand. That's oh, where, no. Uh, that's <laughs> where... As Azul would say. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's where the Lost Box is going to start to suffer because you can't can't build those big hands to uh, play combos, which is what Lost Box does. It's just a right. combo deck, but uh, it, it, it has a cool little engine to it. That's all. Exactly. All right. I actually think this is one of our better meta discussions and breakdowns of lists. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, let us know, um, you know, in the comments um, and all that fun stuff. But I think, Chuck, unless you have anything else, that's going to probably do it for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all about it. Uh, buy it, Chuck's corner uh, sleeper pick: spiders, spider ops, leafy on. I think, I think it has potential. Nah, Caterpie got this. Caterpie is gonna whoop on that spider ups. <laughs> Weedle, Weedle, baby. <laughs> team Caterpie. Like Weedle, team team like Caterpie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out with us till the end. As always, we'll see you guys next week. Single strike Weedle, baby. Caterpie. Thanks again for listening to the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. Uh, if- As always, if you could do us and future listeners a favor and leave us a like, a rating, or a review on whatever your podcast platform of choice is, it goes a long way to helping out the pod. Plus, Jake, where can you reach us directly? Yeah, you can get me at Pinux1 on Twitter, as well as Chuck at WatchWimsy. You can also reach us on Twitter for the whole Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast at PitPokePod. Thanks again, guys and gals. We will see you all next time. See you later.